Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar the Whale. Are you hoping to calm your mind? Relax your body? Or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, we would like to thank you for joining us for our 100th episode. Whether this is your first or you've been here from the very start. We're grateful for you. I'm really glad you decided to join us. Yeah, I think you're going to be a good fit in our office. Sure. But you know it's not going to be like that all the time, right? Well, I mean, some days it's just like a regular office. A lot of paperwork, a lot of research, a lot of phone calls and meetings. Of course, sometimes we save the world, sometimes we discover new things, sometimes, you know. We have to save each other. Sometimes we have to save each other from ourselves. Well, here. I'll give you a good example. Hello, and welcome to a most interesting story that I've been wanting to tell you for a very long time. It's a frightening story and it's funny at the same time. And seeing as we've been together telling these silly stories for now 100 full episodes... That's 100 weeks in a row. I feel driven to tell you this story now. And it might all be true, or it might all be made up. We don't know, because I'm not telling. But I will tell you one thing. You should enjoy it. It was a very dark and stormy night. It sounds like something out of a... Snoopy and Charlie Brown novel. 
The clouds were rolling in hard, and there was a thunderstorm warning in the area. It was very dark out. No stars, no street lights, no moon to illuminate our path. I was traveling in my car with my assistant. We were coming back from Chicago into the Ohio region of the country. Ohio is a mysterious, strange state. It's almost like a microcosm of the entire United States all wrapped into one little area. Almost everything you see on the national level is represented on a smaller scale in Ohio. And it's quite interesting. The people there, they have their problems, they have their differences, but in general, people from Ohio tend to take care of each other and try to help one another. I'm proud of the state of Ohio, and I was talking about it. There is a lot of ugly little moments in our history in the state of Ohio, but I was focusing on the more positive things, telling my assistant several silly stories, trying to get her to laugh. She's a very nice lady, and uh, a little younger than me, well, quite a bit younger, even though I act like a child. Uh, Age-wise, I was actually quite a lot older than her. But she was definitely the more mature of the two of us. Though I was Dr. Andrew Michaels, and I was out trying to rescue the world and save everyone from alien invasions and monsters from the deep. She was recording everything, trying to make sure... I didn't forget what I was doing in the first place, which was keeping a record of these supernatural and extraterrestrial threats for future generations so they might protect the people in some far-off time. She was always scolding me, more like a mother to a child, about the way I handled myself because I rarely took self-protection into consideration. I was always quick with a self-deprecating joke or putting myself in harm's way or standing in front of a loaded gun to protect a teammate. And it might sound brave, but there's a price to be paid when you are in charge. I consider running the Department of Navy Special Services a very important job. I considered myself a leader. I wanted to lead by example, and sometimes my leading by example was a good way to get my head blown completely off. She was reminding me of this same thing when we came across a very strong wind. It was blowing the green summer leaves across the road sideways. It's always strange when you see the wind and the rain blowing sideways. It's normal to see these things come down from trees and the raindrops drop, gravity pulling them to the earth. But when you see everything behaving oddly, moving left to right across the road, it 
strikes a nerve in your prehistoric knowledge, some far-off memory lodged in your DNA of another time, another emergency, another disaster, something we survived. Was it a tornado, a hurricane wind, a lightning strike? Regardless, I looked out of my windshield, wipers going back and forth quite quickly, and I could see nothing in the sky to alert me to this strange aberration of the wind buffeting the car from the passenger side over to the driver's side. But it was hitting us very hard, and my assistant was a little nervous, a little apprehensive, and uh, she reached out and grabbed the handhold on the door by her seat, and she even reached up and there's that little handle on the roof that you can use to get in and out of the car, and she grabbed a hold of it. It was strange because she was braced, and a good thing she was because something was strangely about to happen. It's not unusual in Ohio for a deer or poor little raccoon or a possum to go meandering across the road and getting hit by a car. Of course, you don't want to ever hurt an animal, and even running into a tiny bird or a bat is quite startling when you're going 55, 60 miles an hour down a country road. Tonight it wasn't a deer, but it was just as big and just as frightening. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a huge humanoid shape slammed into the hood and pasted itself across the windshield of my car. I ran right into someone, someone covered in a black cape, standing in the middle of a black country road. My God, I had just run over, ran into, not over, a human being. He was going up and over the top of the car more than he was going under it. The cape parted and two hands struck the windshield about 18 inches apart and a head slammed into the windshield, not realizing it was glass, bounced off, and I saw the fangs, the bloody red fangs and mouth and maw, the bloodshot white eyes and dead, deathly-looking skin of an undead vampire lying across my windshield, his cape covering my view from the road. I took my foot off the gas, and I applied the brake. I tried to keep the wheel straight, but I suddenly realized we were sliding. We were sliding into a ditch, or going into a ditch, or going into a cornfield. I don't know which, but soon enough I knew my assistant screaming as loud as she can. My ears literally deafened by her screaming. I tried to control the wheel and keep it straight. I didn't want to go off the road too much. Maybe I could just get the car back on with a tow truck. My mind was already thinking about how to get the car back on the road. I knew it was muddy and wet out, and I was thinking about the shoes and my choice of clothes. I was still in a three-piece suit, 
and she was still in her dress shoes and a blouse and skirt, and this was no time to be running around in a cornfield in the middle of the night with a vampire outside my car. Luckily, we only went about 15 feet off the road. It wasn't a cornfield, luckily, but it was a wheat field, or, well, at next glance, looked like soybeans. Who knows? As I finally came to a stop in the mud of the field, the vampire gingerly rolled off my hood and down onto the ground. Out of our view. He was not in front of our headlights, so he was either under the car or lying flat prone in front of it. My assistant said, what was that? And I said, that is what I call trouble. Keep the doors locked. Do not get out. I reached inside my chest area and pulled out my service revolver, my snub-nosed thirty-eight. Not much of a weapon against a creature of the undead, but why was he running? What was I facing? I had to at least get out and see what was going on. And that's exactly what you do when you have a vampire strike your windshield, crack it, splinter it from one end to another, dent your hood up. As the radiator fluid started to seep from the front of my car, I turned the engine off to prevent overheating. That's right. I'm now officially stuck with a busted radiator, busted windshield, terrified assistant in a soybean field in the middle of Ohio. And there's a vampire laying on the ground outside. Just another day in the life of Dr. Andrew Michaels. I got out of the car and flipped on a small handheld flashlight. Aiming it out into the darkness, I was smart enough to, to aim backwards, the direction the wind was howling and buffeting the car before the vampire struck. I couldn't see anything ominous several hundred feet behind us. Nothing popped out of the sky. Whatever had brought in that wind and that rage and buffeted our car seemed to have passed, and it was gone. I could see some swirling leaves and it looked like they were going down the road where I would have been if I hadn't gone off the road. So the remnants of this wind were still swirling and traveling in the direction that we would have gone. I quickly wanted to assess what was going on in front of my car and then get back inside to what little safety my car would provide. I stepped around to the front, my shoes immediately filling up with mud and water. I was very annoyed. Penny loafers are a wonderful shoe. They're so comfortable to wear. But in Ohio, they're the lousy shoe, unless you're on blacktop or pavement. And I could feel my shoes sinking at least two inches into the mud. It was disgusting. I'm not a farmer, and I never was and I have never had a penchant for being one. Nothing against the great men who 
keep us alive with their agricultural skills, but I'm not one of them. I walked around the front, and there, in the dim light of my fading headlights, was said vampire. He wasn't unconscious, but he was unable to move. He had been injured, not necessarily by my car, which was very frightening. You see, most people would be focusing on the vampire lying on the ground, but something drove that vampire into my car. He could see me coming a mile away. Why was he in the middle of the road? And he's apparently very injured. Did my car do it? Did it break his legs and he has to heal back up? Or did something else happen? I quickly scanned the sky again with my handheld LED flashlight, and I caught a flash of red eyes in the sky above my car. Whatever it was, was about five to six hundred feet, I think, above my car. I only caught a glimpse of the eyes. Whatever it was flew past and turned so that its eyes weren't glowing in the flashlight anymore. I was in trouble. I was in real trouble, and my thirty-eight wasn't going to do, pardon my French, jack shit in this situation. I did the next best thing to prevent myself either shooting my partner, my, my assistant in the car by accident, or shooting myself in the foot, and I holstered my weapon. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing at all until you can make some other judgment call. I walked back and got into the car quickly and locked the doors. Covered in water, my glasses completely worthless at this time, I took them off and threw them onto the dash. My assistant said, what, what's going on? I said, we have company. There's somebody there. Did you already call for help? Yes. She had made a call to 911, and the police were on their way. They knew to bring a tow truck, and they knew that we were in trouble. I said, I think we better use the other phone. She goes, you think I haven't? And she held up our special satellite phone to call in our own resources. I'd like to just call them resources. But uh, you might call them the A-Team uh, mercenaries, uh, Delta Force. They have lots of names. But they're usually men who are much, much more macho than me and a lot stronger and can do a lot more pull-ups than I can at my age. And they're very good at one thing and one thing only. Their estimated arrival time was 95 minutes, which was not good because if things were going to go the way I thought they were, not only were we going to die, but so were the police and the first responders that were coming as fast as they could to our location. I told her to stay put, and she told me, you're not getting out of the car, and that's enough. Just wait for backup. And I go, there is no backup. She said, well, the police will be here. And I said, yeah, and then when they're dead, what do you want me to tell their families? 
Well, what do you want me to tell your family when you're dead, she said to me. And I said, well, that's not my concern. My concern is keeping those police alive long enough for that team to show up or whatever it is that's flying overhead to go away. And she asked, oh, what's flying overhead? And I went, oh, I forgot to tell you that part. And this went on until there was a loud thud on the roof of our car. I was like, oh no, this isn't happening. And I started the car, mostly to give me anything, an advantage, something to work with, and to also keep the lights on. Immediately my headlights burst back on, and standing in front of the car was said vampire, about two feet from the hood. He leaned forward and slammed his open palms down on the hood of the car. Steam began to spill out from the strike on the hood. He had caused the hood to shift a little bit and allow more steam to erupt, and it curled up around his face in the most beautiful way. It really was a quite striking image. I told my assistant, look, just keep yourself safe and stay in the car. It'll be all right. And I opened up the door. I had to get a good look at whatever was on the roof. I opened up the car door, and as I started to get out, not very quickly at my age, something grabbed me by my jacket collar and threw me the rest of the way out of the car. Luckily, my own hand, foot, ankle, I don't know what, sprung the doors forward. If you can imagine this, I hit the car door so hard that it sprung out, and the force of it bounced the door out to the limit of the hinge, and the door came back and slammed shut. My assistant screaming, I realized whatever it was had picked me up and threw me about 15 feet face down in the mud. I stood up, turned on my flashlight, and turned around. Lying on the ground was a huge I think, female vampire on the roof of my car. It was all starting to make sense now. Some kind of morbid mating ritual that we had stumbled upon. Here was the female, fully in her, her demonic body shape, almost devoid of all human traces, wings, at least 12 feet wide, coming out of her back. Her arms and her body looked more reptilian, like a, like a demon than, than a human. She had satire legs bent backwards and hooved back feet. She was so angry, and she was screaming and squelching at the male vampire. Obviously, he made a mistake, stepping into the road or landing in front of us. Something went wrong, and she was infuriated by the interruption. I don't know if they were doing some kind of romantic ritual, spell, mating, I don't know. But I do know it was disturbing looking. He walked across the hood of my car. He dropped his 
cape and his body transformed from the undead, skeletal-looking, broken human form that he was into this winged, reptilian, dragon-like creature crushing the hood of the car. It stuttered and sputtered and stopped. The motor quit. I could actually hear my assistant screaming over the loud clomping of the hooves on the roof and the hood. They were literally pushing the car down, crushing the windows, and the roof was coming down. Luckily, my assistant would be trapped where they couldn't get her out, but she didn't sound very happy. A bright flashlight she must have found in the glove box flashing back and forth out the cracks and crevices of the smashed roof. I could hear her screaming, and I thought I'd better at least get over there and get this going in the right direction. Right then, I ran up and started trying to parlay, for lack of a better term, with the two. I tried to tell them, just go, just just, just leave, this isn't a place for you, it's not safe here, others are coming, others are coming, you don't want to get discovered. They looked at me with knowing in their eyes. I was saying the right thing. When you come across certain supernatural creatures, they don't want to be known to the general public. If you tell them others are coming, you'll be seen, you'll be photographed, you'll be spotted. They don't want that. They want their anonymity. They want to hide in the shadows. They don't want to be discovered. And the fact that they could start to hear over the howling winds of the storm the sirens of the first responders heading my way. It alerted them that my words had wisdom and knowledge in them. They both looked at me, the female raising her finger, pointing at me, and hissed. She just hissed at me. And then she took flight. Her male counterpart jumped and spun 360 degrees around, I swear, and took to the air in flight like a rocket ship taking off from the launch pad. And they were gone. They were gone. My car roof completely crushed in by the hooves of these demonic creatures. The, the hood buckled and steam blowing now out of the radiator my assistant yelling and screaming, saying, you better get me out of this car. I managed to force open the driver's side enough to get her to pull her out of the car. She was furious, standing in the mud, completely soaked, angry as the police showed up, asking what happened. And I said, well, we ran into a whole herd of deer. You can see the hoof marks and everything. It was the, It was like a freak tornado flipped the car around and deer and every I mean you could tell I didn't wreck this car I'm not drinking I mean my god look at it it's a government uh, leased vehicle I mean look at it the police were like wow I never seen anything like this I'm like yeah you probably never will either but everybody was happy everybody was alive and the vampires were gone 
Once in a while, in the far-off distance, as the storm was fading and we were sitting in the back of a ambulance getting our vital signs checked just to make sure we weren't hurt in the crash, I could see two giant bat-like creatures just ever so often silhouetted against the new shining moon that was peeking in between the breaks in the clouds as the storm was receding. There they were, whatever ritual they were performing, far off, high above, at the treetop level. A storm caught them off guard, caught them, and pulled them down to earth. Two creatures free from the restraints of gravity and the pull of Mother Earth momentarily captured and pulled and thrown back down to the ground, back into our world. And just as I noticed them, they flew off higher and higher into the sky until they were gone, away from my eyes in the dark. I tried apologizing to my assistant, and all she wanted was a warm cup of cocoa and to get the hell away from me. The story of my life. It's not always fun traveling and hitching a ride home with Dr. Andrew Michaels, and I'd like to apologize for that lousy trip that night. But to me, it was just another day in the office. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope I get to see all of you very soon. Stay safe. Be very careful out there when a thunderstorm erupts, and always seek proper shelter. Storms are nothing to be trifled with. Until I see all of you again, please have a most blessed day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.